Okay, welcome everybody. I just want to introduce a special guest. We have Coach Sean McEnany. He is the head coach of Lenape High School Girls Basketball, and he's going to be talking to us about his program, about his history. Uh, we'll start with his family, but just want to welcome him to the program. So how are you doing, Coach? I'm doing well. Thank you very much for, uh, for having me, Mike. It's an honor to be on here. Uh, and I just wanted to thank you for all you do for girls basketball in South Jersey. I, I think this is such a cool atmosphere and a cool community you've created. Uh, these podcasts have been a lot of fun to listen to. I, I really just love listening to what the other coaches and other players have to say. And uh, just being a part of that community now is, is a really cool feeling. Well, uh, I do wish you, you know, lots of success and luck. Hopefully thank uh, you. This is the start of a, a long career, a successful career. And uh, I hope so too. Celebrating some milestones, you know, uh, Coach Miles and Delran, he just hit 400. Coach yeah. Patrick hit 500. So uh, I'm looking forward to celebrating some of your milestones uh, as you go forward. So why don't you tell us about, you know, your uh, your background? Where'd you grow up? So I'm originally from Edgewater Park. Uh, I grew up there playing soccer and basketball my, my whole life. Um, I am the oldest of three, very competitive, very athletic children. Um, I was probably the worst athlete in the family, to be honest with you. Uh, I have a younger sister who played field hockey and lacrosse and a younger brother who played uh, soccer. And everything we did growing up was some kind of game, some kind of competition. And I think that always just kind of pushed us towards sports more and more. Uh, we, we just love competing. You love that uh, going up against somebody else, trying to prove you're better or trying to, to prove that you're good at something. And, and that just drove me through sports my whole life and all the way up into coaching. So what sports did you play growing up? What did you enjoy playing? Uh, my two main sports were soccer and basketball. Uh, I had it split throughout the year where soccer was fall and spring and basketball took up all winter and all summer. And that was just my life. I, I was always doing some sport throughout the year and I rotated between those two. I, I, I always liked that mix, to be honest with you, because soccer was a little more fluid it was a little slower pace. It was kind of like an endurance sport. And basketball, on the other hand, was, was quick. It was, uh, you know, fast-paced up and down the court. It was more like a sprint. So I always loved the way they, they contrasted against each other, which made it fun. It always kept me interested because I would go from soccer to basketball season and vice versa. Yeah, I mean, from talking to different coaches and players and yeah. friends, it seems like the players that play soccer and basketball – you know, it seems like it's a really good, uh, you know, sports that you can cross train and do multiple sports, but one right. helps the other. I always knew like when my kids were growing up, you know, when they when they were in soccer season, soccer season almost made them better for basketball. And then right. when they basketball, it would get them better for soccer. And it was just enough of a break, just enough of a, um, you know, a different sport, a different type of objective, still team otherwise. But, you know, it sure. just got going and kept them motivated. What, what I always liked uh, when I got to high school, I was playing both at, uh, at Holy Cross. We would get done soccer with just enough time to, to have a little break before basketball started. And it, it was always the day after Thanksgiving then. Uh, but I still was in shape from soccer. So I had enough time to kind of rest and recover. But I was always ready to roll for basketball. And I think, honestly, playing soccer in the fall helped me out with, with my conditioning and, and playing basketball in high school. Yeah, definitely. So what made you attend Holy Cross? So I, when I was living in Edgewater Park, we actually moved uh, to Mount Laurel. So I actually could have attended Lenape, uh, but we moved the summer of my eighth grade year. 
And I already had friends going the Holy Cross. I had teammates going the Holy Cross. And I just kind of followed with, with my friend group and people I knew were going to play sports. So um, I went to Holy Cross, even commuting from Mount Laurel. I felt like it was the best fit for me. Um, and I, I enjoyed all my experiences at Holy Cross. It was a smaller school, much obviously much smaller school than Lenape. But I enjoyed being able to get involved in everything. I, I did sports. I did extracurriculars like uh, student council, things like that. I just wanted to be around other people at school. I liked being involved in everything. And Holy Cross seemed like the best place to do that for me. Yeah, that's great. So yeah. um, it, seems, it seems like, you know, you were really into sports and you loved yeah. competition. Uh, what did you end up doing when you got to high school as far as playing sports for school? So I played soccer uh, and basketball at Holy Cross. I, I played... Uh, for Barry Harper at Holy Cross. And uh, that was, they were always very interesting experiences. Uh, we were good. I, I wouldn't say we were great. We were always competitive, uh, but we have all those rivalries up and down the, the so-called river line there. And we would battle with, with Willingboro, Burlington Township, Burlington City. And it was fun because they were all kind of local, you know, like Delran, Morristown, they were local games for us. And you would have you would have players on the team. I'd have teammates that were from all these other towns. So they would know each other. We would always know people when we were playing. And I thought that was a fun experience. Um, when I, I got a little bit older at, at Holy Cross, like my junior year, I really wanted to play soccer in college. That was kind of my goal. And I knew I didn't have the size uh, or the speed or, or the shot, quite frankly, to play basketball in college. So I focused on soccer for, for college. And I had a couple couple schools show a little bit of interest, some smaller D3 schools. And one coach said to me, you either need to gain 20 pounds or be the fastest kid on my team. So I started running track to become the fastest kid on the team. And then all of a sudden, college track coaches were calling me because of the times I was hitting. And that was kind of the path I followed through Holy Cross. I, I ended up uh, going to St. Joe's to run track and cross country even though that was never part of the play. And that just seemed to be the, the sport that carried me through. And just like I said, at the beginning, I, I love all sports just because I love to compete. And so track became another form of competition for me. And that's kind of what got me into a, to a good university and a great program. And so sports drove me all through high school and, and got me into college and, you know, gave me a good education through the way. Well, that's great. So what events did you do in track? Uh, I was more of like a middle distance guy. I ran the 800 and the mile. Um, I, I, we had to run cross country in college, which was not pleasant at all ever, but uh, I, I enjoyed the, the 800 and the, and the mile. I thought that was more, that was more fit, more suited my, uh, my endurance and my speed mix. So that, that's what I ended up focusing on. So uh, where did you go to college and can you talk about your college experience? Yeah, so I went to St. Joe's uh, out in Philly, and I, I went to run track and cross country, and I spent my first two years there running three seasons because we would run cross country in the fall, uh, indoor track in the winter, then outdoor track in the spring, and it was tiring, I'll tell you that much. You know, you, you put in a lot of mileage. Your training was, was very regimented. There was a lot of strict routines that we followed as a team terms of nutrition and, and uh, training, weight training, things like that. But the best part was I was there during the years the St. Joe's went undefeated. Uh, and that was when Jameer Nelson and uh, Delonte West were there. And I got into every home game I could. That was my junior year. 
So I, I got into every game. And I'll just tell you, that was when I look back at college, track will, will always be a part of it because it was grueling and demanding. But going, seeing St. Joe's kind of at the peak of its basketball program, that was something, something else. It's hard to describe, you know, the, the feelings you would get when you would get into a gym like that, when, when we were fighting to be nationally ranked, we were fighting for a number one seat. Just the atmosphere around campus was, was unreal. So what, what was your most memorable game you attended when you were at St. Joe's? Because I remember, so when, when we, I wanted to, I didn't mention this before, but my sister went to St. Joe's and okay. she was going to St. Joe's. She was a part of the dance team. So, oh, really? so we went to a lot of basketball games just yeah. to see my sister. So it kind of like, you know, fell into place there. But and I just the, it was just fun. I mean, the gym was small, oh, but still big everything. enough to get a lot of people to just energy in there. You know what I mean? Well, that's what I liked about it the most. It was a small gym, but you know, I, my most memorable game was uh, when we played Xavier at home, and I want to say double overtime, but I think it might have just been one overtime. And uh, that that game that was the game people said we were going to lose. Xavier still had um, West, David West. And we were, they kept saying that when St. Joe's going to lose, when St. Joe's going to lose. And I remember that game, I, like you couldn't hear a thing. You know, when we got fourth, uh, the, near the end of the game, uh, just the atmosphere, it was, you could feel it. I, I don't know a better way to describe it, but anybody who's been to a big time game like that understands it was deafening. It was so loud. I don't know how the players heard anything Martelli said. They might not even even been listening to anything Martelli said, but I just that that atmosphere was just crazy. And it's like addictive when you're when you're an athlete, when you're into to sports, being in that kind of environment, it just just fuels you. It was so much fun. Yeah, definitely create a lot of memories. You have a lot yeah. of fun. Uh, I mean, obviously the end game is your is uh, the degree that you get. So uh, sure. what did you study in school and and you know, why did you pursue that major? So I originally uh, went and study uh, psychology. And to be honest with you, I, I knew I wanted to work at something in education. Both my parents were educators. My dad was a principal for a very long time. My mom was in education. So I, I don't know, maybe it was always in my blood, but I knew I was going to kind of be directed towards education. And when I was at St. Joe's, I started to work some programs at St. Joe's, but also here at home in Medford Township where I'd work with students and athletes with, with special needs. And we would do some activities at school uh, where we did days where we just closed the campus down and younger students from the Philadelphia area would come out with, with special needs. And we would do like a field day where we would do like soccer games and basketball games and little competitions. And those started to become my favorite parts of the day, my favorite things to do. And when I was working at home in Medford Township, we would run camps and leagues for uh, again, students with, with special needs, I, I just fell in love with that. That that became another one of my passions. It wasn't just sports anymore. It was this bigger picture of helping a student who has some kind of needs and working with the, these these younger students. I kind of realized that's what I like to do. And I'm very outgoing. I'm very goofy. I'm very animated, and it just felt like a natural, uh, you know, a natural match. So that was a path I decided to follow. And when I graduated St. Joe's, I actually went to the College of New Jersey to get my master's uh, in special education. And from there, 
the rest is history. I started teaching at a middle school. And then after seven years at a middle school, moved, uh, moved to Lenape. Wow, that's great. You know, you yeah. kind of got me thinking. I, I love your, your passion. And um, it's funny because I studied psychology in college. And right. one of the reasons why I, I studied psychology is I was actually originally going to be, I was a chemistry major. And I don't know why I picked chemistry. I, I didn't really like science. I'm not smart enough for chemistry. I think it sounded cool. Yeah, and yeah. I had these friends and one of the friends is like, uh, and, and, and there were a couple of the girls are like, hey, you got to come down and play volleyball. So I go to the gym and we, we, to go play volleyball. And when I got there, it was Special Olympics. Oh, nice. So they're like, hey, we're going to play volleyball. And I said, okay, cool. So I volunteered for Special Olympics for a couple of years. And then I ended up yeah. home. But I've always had a passion. I mean, I think it would be a really good idea maybe um, in the summertime if we can figure out, maybe get some of the girls in the Lenape Regional School District and put together like a clinic. Yeah. Um, in the area like if you'd want to do it i would love to do it with you oh uh, i'm in like i'll always be on board for something like that yeah. and i have a, a couple girls this year already so my seniors uh, my senior captains uh, deanna west and olivia johnstone they've we've already talked about doing some things with uh younger students in the community and helping out with students with special needs and trying to get them involved um obviously we're dealing with much bigger things right now so it's restrictions on who's allowed in the gym and, and how many people are allowed in certain spaces. But as, you know, as soon as we could kind of get past that, I, I'm in, I'll be happy to work on something like that. Yeah, definitely. I think Freedom Park would be perfect if we do it outside. Yeah, that's, just, that's where we used to work uh, the programs with Medford Township. We would have everything at Freedom Park. Oh, that's awesome. Well, yeah. well I think that's going to be our two-year plan. So within the next two years. I love it. But at least like once or twice, and then we'll see okay. what happens. I think it would be awesome. I would love, I would love to do that. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in. <laughs> well, let's go into some coaching. So you talked about how you became a, a teacher and ultimately um, got into special ed. Um, yeah. And then you end up, you know, working in, in um, you know, middle school, but then going to, to high school. Um, yeah. so how did you get involved with coaching? So when I was in the middle school, I worked at a, it's called Olson middle school and it's literally right behind Seneca high school. So it's one of the, the feeders for Seneca and it's a small, small little school. While I was at Olson, uh, there was an opening for boys basketball position. And at the same time, there was an opening for the girls basketball position. And I put in to be the boys head coach and the principal came up to me and said, I'll give you the boys job. If you'll also take the girls job. I, I thought that was it sounded fun at the time. I mean, I was 23 years old. And so coaching two teams in basketball was, was fine with me. And we were, because we were a small school, we had one gym, one practiced before the other, one played right before the other. And it, it had happened at that school in the past where one coach ran both programs. So I, I started coaching both uh, at a younger age. And I realized pretty quickly, I, I really enjoyed coaching the girls' side more. Um, and it was, it was little things. I mean, the girls, the girls would buy in to some of the, the like cheesy little things I wanted to do at practice, like the team building and the games and the little competitions. And, and once they bought into something like that, now all of a sudden you have a group of girls that wants to work together. They will run through a wall for each other. They'll run through a wall for you. And I just, I started to love that, that camaraderie, that, that feeling that the girls create it 
And I almost felt like the boys, and it could have just been some of the boys I had, I felt like the boys shied away from that, that they, they were more in it, like almost at a personal level and where the girls always bought into this team feel, this team vibe. And I noticed, I remember thinking very quickly, I never put in for the girls job. I never, it was never really something I thought about, but I, I don't want to coach boys anymore. I wanted to stick with girls basketball. So at the same time uh, I was working in the middle school, Sean Kenevin reached out to me as, you know, essentially one of the feeder programs to Seneca. And we started working together. So we did, um, we did some summer camps and clinics for the, the young girls in the area. But then he also had me start to work at his, he was hosting the, uh, the high school summer league at the time. So I got to, to be around more of his high school teams and his high school programs. And we just started to work uh, more and more uh, over the course of the next six, seven years, we just started to work together more frequently. And I was, I, I was lucky to develop that kind of friendship with Sean because when I moved or when I got hired at Lenape, he introduced me to Rob Hummel and basically said to Rob, like, you got to bring this guy on just because he's been around girls basketball and he'll, he'll work, he'll do everything for you. And it was the greatest thing for me because the rest is history. You know, I've worked with Rob for seven years and now I'm sitting here in this position, ultimately because Sean Kenevin let me work with him in his programs. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's what we're learning on these podcasts is the connections that you make. Yeah, definitely. They start like, you know, maybe a few years down the road and then later it, you know, blossoms into something else and gives you more opportunity. So I'm sure, hoping yeah. that more girls that are in South Jersey and our coaches as well, that the opportunities are going to open up for them as they come back after graduating college, pursuing their degrees, getting into their fields, but the ones that want to get into coaching, that they'll have an opportunity just like you've been given, you know, to, to work with the different teams. Well, that's what I think is so interesting. It's so cool about what you're doing is, is you create this community. There, there really is a bigger picture. There really is a bigger community of girls basketball, especially in our area. And there's a lot of pride in each of these schools and each of these programs. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of very interesting history, not just with rivalries between the schools, but also with, with how much they've accomplished and what these girls have gone on to do after leaving a Lenape, a Cherokee, a Shawnee, or a Haddonfield even. And it's just, it's so, it's fun for me to now be a part of that because I've looked up to it and I've been like an assistant for so long that now this is, this is fun for me. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. You, know, you were assistant, you know, for what you said about mm -hmm. seven years. Uh, yeah, I worked with, uh, with Rob for seven years. I was a volunteer for my first two or three years then a freshman coach, then JV coach for a couple of years. Um, and when Rob started talking about stepping down last year, I knew this was something I wanted to pursue. And I, I felt like I was in a really good position for it because I had already been in the program. I had already known some of these girls. I had known, I'd been involved with some of our youth camps already. So I knew some of the other people coming up and I just felt like, you know, this is not an opportunity I could, could miss. And so I, I went for it and I, you know, was lucky enough to, to be named the new head coach. That's fantastic. So yeah, what's, thank you. in your opinion, what's the difference, or I guess there are differences, obviously, but what are some big differences between being an assistant coach at a pro at a school that you're at now to being right. the head coach, obviously responsibilities, but you know, what's the difference this year? Well, I'll tell you, I'll, I can, well, we'll be able to answer that question more completely next year because <laughs> this year, everything's different. It, it, everything we're just, 
we're very flexible. We're very patient. This is not a normal year. And I, I, I think every coach will say that. And I think every coach realizes that um, the, the biggest thing for me from being an assistant to now being the head coach is your decisions mean a lot more, you know, your, your ability to call a timeout, your ability to draw up a play, you reading the game from the sideline, because me yelling something down the sideline, the Rob doesn't hold the same amount of weight as now I'm standing up making that decision. And the, the outcome, the girls responding to you or the girls relying on your decisions now has that much more weight tied to it as well. Um, but in terms of a program, uh, this year's just just different. It's in its own, it's in its own little shell. Um, I, I don't know how to compare it yet. I, I will be able to give you a more complete answer after I live through a, a more quote unquote normal year. Well, I have a question for you. So, you know, yeah. you said you were give, you would give input, obviously, to the head coach, which was Rob Hummel right. in the past. How much do you rely on your assistant coaches now as a head coach? knowing that you were in that position before I was there. Yeah. You have extra eyes seeing the court, talking to the girls and getting maybe a different picture than when you're getting. Cause I think when you're head coach, you're kind of focused on everything that's like on the court. And, sure. and sometimes like, you know, maybe you don't notice, you know, little tiny things here and there, or especially, you know, what's going on with the bench. So I'm sure you have some help. So how do you rely on your, your assistants to help you? Well, I think the biggest thing with, with my assistants, first of all, I have, a varsity assistant, uh, Kristen Bucci, who is great with X's and O's. She sees everything well. I think we agree a lot on the kind of offense or the style of defense we should play. So I always know what she's looking at because we do a lot of the preparation uh, beforehand. And then uh, the other assistant, uh, our JV coach, Eric Einbinder, he is just, he's a ball of energy and he does all this background work. He does all the legwork. So I rely on those two more in the preparation for a game. You know, what did you see on film? What did we look like last time? What did our opponent look like on film? And how do we match up? How do we exploit their weaknesses or, or you know, maximize our strengths? And, and then in a game where I rely on them is the quick reminder, like, hey, remember we said we were going to run this kind of set. Remember we said we were going to do this on defense because you're right, you're 100% right. Standing on the sideline, I have on blinders it's just tunnel vision of what the five girls on the court are doing but I trust those those two behind me and I rely on those two to kind of say hey we we practiced this we prepared for this let's go to this new look or let's try this and I think that's part of a program and I hope that the girls see that that there is there's teamwork even amongst the coaches because if we're going to try to promote that to the girls I want to be able to show it and model it but it all comes from having a good staff, having staff that you trust and putting in the work together behind the scenes. And I think everybody that works with our program this year goes above and beyond. And I have a phenomenal staff of coaches. I, I couldn't be happier. That's fantastic. So how would you describe your, your coaching philosophy and coaching style? So what kind of uh, well, what's that? What kind of coach are you? Uh, I don't know. Time will tell. Uh, this year is a hard year to gauge, but I think, my philosophy has always kind of been around learning the game um, and trying to build a relationship, trying to build some trust with the players so that the girls know I have their best interest at heart. And I'm not, I'm never going to be that kind of coach that's, you know, do this because I said so. And, and I don't think we have a lot of coaches like that in our area. I think there are a ton of coaches that do a great job 
breaking down their own plays, their own sets or their own film. And they teach basketball. And I felt like that's what, that was my strength in high school. I wasn't the fastest. I wasn't the best shooter, but I felt like I could read the game quickly. I felt like I could learn the game and learn a player's tendencies or learn a team's tendencies. And so I try to do that with our girls. I try to try to establish some trust between myself and the girls. And, and that way, when you push them hard, when you're challenging them, when you're, when you're making that, you're trying to make them better, you know, they'll buy into that and, and hopefully they respond uh, the right way. Again, you know, time will tell. I think the, the philosophy this year is all well and good, but there's so much more we're dealing with. And so I try to make sure that there are five to 10, 15 minutes of every practice where like we're just kind of having fun, even if it's a, a goofy kind of fun, because honestly, Mike, like each practice could be our last. Each game could be our last. We've already been quarantined for 10 days and it came right after the day we lost to Cherokee. So that was a tough 10 days to sit home. And it made me kind of think that it's not just like, what's your coaching philosophy? It was, what's the best thing to do for these girls this year? And, and how do I make sure they're still having fun while at basketball? So, yeah, we try to learn the X's and the O's. And yes, we, we, we put in work every day on footwork and spacing and screening and, and making sure we're all on the same page. But there's also a focus on the fact that, you know, I want them to have fun as teenagers, have fun as teammates. And, and these are memories they're going to have forever. And I want to make sure that we try to maximize our time together. So, and I, I guess that was a very long-winded answer of saying, I try to have fun with the girls. I try to be uh, a coach that, that can relate to the girls, a coach that they feel like they can trust and talk to. But at the same time, basketball should always be fun. There always has to be a component of fun built into each practice for these girls. Yeah, that's great. So why don't we move into like the team and like the history. Okay. So, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, the program at Lenape? Cause I know there's listeners out there that maybe you're from, you know, the extreme South Jersey. I'm talking like right. County, Cumberland County. Uh, yeah. Do you have yeah. Friends with from, you know, along the shore area and maybe they don't know uh, what, what Lenape is all about. So can you share a little bit of the history? So, I know in my seven years with the program, we've always had this mentality where it was, it was kind of like championship or bust for, for lack of a better phrase. And, and Rob did an excellent job of laying those expectations out and kind of establishing this work ethic. If you want to get to this level, if you want to be in the championship game, if you want to beat Cherokees and Shawnees and all these bigger schools, in our conference and in our group. I mean, it, it's difficult. It, it's nearly impossible to do it year after year. But there's always this, this framework of you have to be willing to work on the defensive side of things. You have to be willing to communicate and work together because that's the only way you're going to survive through our schedule in our conference and in our group. Now, in my seven years, I am my second I think it was my second year was when we went and won the uh, state championship with group four. And we had an extremely talented team. And uh, we had Maddie Sims at the uh, forward spot for us. We had a sophomore Kendall keys who could shoot lights out. And then we, we had Shannon Mulroy as our backup point guard that year, because Amanda McGrogan was our starting point guard. And Shannon went on to be one of the best players in, in South Jersey and, and her amazing career. And, so the history there was always built on this expectation that, that 
we can play at a very high level, but you have to put the work in first and you have to do all the little things correctly, but you have to do all the little things together because that's what makes the team better. And that's what ultimately helped us achieve our goal uh, when we went, we beat a Patterson East side. And then we did it, we got back there uh, two years ago in Shannon Mulroy's senior year. Unfortunately, we ran into Diamond Miller and Franklin and that was like, any, that was, I've never seen anything like that. So I don't even think I could have made Franklin's team that year. So they were a very talented program, but it, again, that, that expectation and that, that history has carried through. And these are the, I now have girls who had older siblings on those teams. I have girls that have seen these championship games. And I think that's, what's so cool about Lenape is there is this expectation, but there's also these experiences at, at a high level and in these, these high intensity games and then these, these really important games. And that's, what's fun about coaching in our area is with, with some of these schools. I mean, I, I wish we could have had fans at our Cherokee game this year because it was, there was an atmosphere to it in the second half. And, and that's, what's fun in this area. And that's, what's fun about our school, Shawnee, Lenape, Cherokee, Eastern. They all, they all have these great programs and, it's because all the coaches lay out these expectations and lay out the framework for success, but it's also because all these girls buy in and are willing to put in the time to do it and be successful. Yeah. I mean, that's really the thing. It's just a matter of, you know, it's coming from the leadership uh, aspect, the coach, and then yeah. down uh, obviously to the, to the captains and then the players. But I mean, let it be, I mean, the year that they lost to um, Diamond Miller, Diamond, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that year, the tournament. I went to the tournament champions game and Diamond yeah. Miller um, single-handedly uh, won and, and basically put the team on our shoulders. Sure. And, and they beat, you know, Saddle River Day. And when they played Saddle River Day, Saddle River Day had four D1 commits on the team that were starters. The fifth right. one was not a D1 commit. She was only a freshman. It's Anaya Caldwell now. And yeah. I'll never forget that game was back and forth, back and forth. And it was like two seconds left in the half. Diamond Miller, I think, stepped across half court, hit a three-pointer. And after that, I'm like, I think they're going to win. You know, we were, like, so amazed. And, and and they did. They won. They won that game, and they weren't supposed to win, but they won. It was amazing. I, I don't know how – I don't know how anybody was supposed to stop her that year. I – the – the when I saw the first – the beginning of the game, I actually think we scored first. And I joked with Robin, all right, we got them right where we want them. You know, we were up 2 nothing. I think it was two foul shots. And she came down and she's right in front of the bench. She's arms length away from me. And she drains a three-pointer and it hit nothing but the bottom of the net. And our girl, Nevaeh Sutton, was covering her. And she was one of our best athletes. And she looks over at me and I said, oh, make her do it again. I, I don't know. And Diamond <laughs> came down again. She's about arms reach away from me. Drains another three, nothing but net. And I was like, all right, you know, we, we, we had a good run. But it was, it, it was something else watching a girl play at that level. Um, but that again, that's what's cool about our area. We we played against some phenomenal competition down here, and we played against St. John Vianney with Kelly Campbell, and she went on to uh, oh, where's now I'm drawing a blank. She went out uh, DePaul. Kelly went out to DePaul, and that was another player I've I've seen where. She would, she would shoot the ball and she could turn around and start walking back because she knew it was going in. And 
we, we played them a couple times the year we won the state championship. And there's always the Terrians. You, you could talk about even more local than just the short teams. But how amazing is it that these girls have accomplished so much in our area? And that's what's fun. And that's what these programs are built around, these expectations of success and, you know, always making sure that the team buys in and, and is ready for a championship run each year. Yeah, definitely. So uh, let's, you know, let's talk about last year a little bit. Okay. Uh, just, just with the history of, of the, of the, um, of the team. And maybe if there was a game that kind of like stood out in your mind uh, that kind of defined the season for, for Lenape, and then we can talk about maybe this season. So last year, I think the game that sticks out the most to me was early in our season. We, um, we went down to a, a Christmas tournament at Southern Regional High School, and we were playing mainland. Okay. And I remember some of our seniors, you know, Regan King and Kiana Gosnell, and they just kept – their focus was we're playing Kylie Watson. And we, we had talked about in practice leading up to it, if you five play together – you know, you could, you could take on Kylie Watson and they, they had hyped her up, you know, they're, they're looking up her stats and they're looking up well she's going to Oregon and she's got all this going for, her. but it motivated them to make sure they, they were on the same page with everything. And that was one of those games where everything kind of clicked for us. And we opened up the game with a couple threes and we, we made sure we were pressuring her on defense to the point we kind of took them out of their rhythm. And then, as we start to feel more comfortable and confident in our offense and we start to frustrate them in their offense, you could see the girls start to play at this level, this, this, their own confidence was, was growing. And that was so much fun to watch. You know, that wasn't X's and O's. It was the girls stepping up and the girls doing all the little things and, and like those hustle plays and those, those gritty little plays diving on the floor, getting loose balls. Like they took a lot of pride in that game. And that was just so much fun to watch. And, and in reality, when you look at it, that was probably the game where I had the least say or the least amount of impact, but it was so much fun to watch because of the girls and the, the way they felt about it. Yeah, so if there's any listeners that are wondering, Cherokee played uh, Mainland a couple weeks later. On the first offensive play that Cherokee had the ball, Kylie Watson had three blocked shots. Three blocked shots. She blocked one, we got the ball back. She blocked another one, we got the ball back. She blocked the third one, we got the ball back. And I'm going, oh my gosh, this is going to be crazy the whole game. She yes. was a dominant player. Like, dominant. She's a phenomenal player. Phenomenal. And then the funny thing about that game, she actually broke the girls' high school record at Mainland uh, for points. The game oh, she, yeah. against Cherokee. It's cool because you're a part of these historical moments in South Jersey now. Like, yeah as a fan because now my daughter's playing i'm like wow so i'm really getting uh getting a chance to learn more but i'm really just getting an appreciation you know for the basketball and the players and and just the quality that we have you know the quality yeah of course so you know talking about last year we talked about um the mainland you know the, go to the to the um end of the season and, and then obviously you know things get shut down um you know and then i guess there's a transition um uh, in I guess coaching at Lenape. Yeah. So how did so how did that transition happen, or when did it happen, and how did you know that you were going to become coach? So um, we we played we played the the first weekend in March was when we lost to uh, Shawnee. Okay. And that was 
a phenomenal game. That was a frustrating game for us, but I, I thought Chrissy McGovern and, and Shawnee, they, they had a phenomenal game plan. They made adjustments uh, that, that just we, we weren't able to deal with. And I thought at the end, it was frustrating. And all of a sudden, everything was getting shut down. It wasn't just us. I mean, Cherokee, we, Cherokee and Shawnee played. Right. And I remember we debated like going to the game or not going to the game. And uh, I just followed old Twitter because uh, it was probably, probably too sore to go watch. But then you see Cherokee keep advancing. And we kept hearing about what was coming and what might be happening. And the school gets shut down uh, March 13th or March 12th was March one of our last. Friday, I'll never forget it. March 13th. Yeah. That, so our last day, um, we were home and then Rob and I ended up talking and he was ready to make it official. And so I knew, I knew he was going to resign. I knew he was going to step down and then everything like one of my first, my introductions to zoom or Google meets or whatever you want to call it was, was my interview. And everything was done online from that point forward though. I guess the weirdest part of all of this was, I interview on online. I have a, a quick follow-up and then they tell me, but you're not going to be board approved until they know more about the extracurriculars in the off season. So I couldn't really tell anybody for the longest time. And that was the hardest part is I had just landed like a dream job for me. I was going to be a varsity basketball coach at a group four school in the Olympic conference. And, but I can't tell anybody. And it was like, the, it was like the, it was frustrating, but it was also one of the happiest things that's ever happened. It was a phenomenal experience. Uh, so then by the time the summer rolled around, I was allowed to start doing things with returning players. You know, like wasn't allowed to really have any camps or, or any offseason stuff, but I was allowed to work with the girls that were already currently playing in the program. So we did some summer sessions and that's when we started to talk about like maybe like a shift in, in terms of the culture and and that the work ethic and the expectations were still the same, just new messenger, new, new style of, of a couple of things. But I, I don't change the expectations for anything. And, and I still want the girls to have those high expectations and feel like that we could compete at the highest level. So that, that all started over the summer. And then obviously, the beginning of the school year, things get pushed back and our schedules get moved around. But, you know, we'll make, we're making the best of it. And so when... January rolled around, we were ready to go. And I, I kind of got my, my feet wet January this year and been loving every minute of it ever since. Yeah, I think you have that an advantage. I mean, most new, like quote unquote, new coaches to a school wouldn't have the, the relationship with the players already. Right. So you would already have the, the players, um, the, the, the relationship with the players, excuse me, um, for your from your years of being an assistant in the program. So how much of that actually helped you um, going into the season, knowing that you're only going to have a short window to prepare and then basically be thrown into the frying pan? Well, I actually, I think it was a huge advantage, to be honest with you, Mike. Um, knowing them, knowing their strengths, knowing what I wanted to work on gave me, I, I felt like I was prepared coming into the season because I already knew the girls that were there. You know, I knew what I had. I knew what, what kind of players they were. So, I wasn't, I, I felt like I was very realistic. Um, I felt like it, it kind of kept me um, organized, 
I could make sure my practices were planned out because I knew who was a part of the program prior to this. I knew what kind of team we had and, and I knew what we needed to work on if we were going to keep continuing to build towards this, this higher level. And the, the best part for me, I, and the girls may disagree with us, but I think the best part was I already had established some relationships with these girls. I was the JV coach for some of them. I was the assistant uh, for some of them. And I was the guy that would have to break down film with them or build them back up when, when Rob went through, you know, uh, corrections and, and different things with them. So I did have a relationship with them, which I felt like gave me a leg up to start. It was, there was no introduction. There was never a time where I was like, hi, I'm Sean McEnany. I'm your new head coach. They knew I'm Coach Mac. And it was just the first day with Coach Mac. They, they, we never talked about anything like that. We never had to address, you know, new, a new program, new things like that. We just, we got right to work. So I do consider myself very lucky that that is how the, everything started with the girls. Now, how are you adjusting to your new role? I mean, you just said that, you know, you were the person that went through film with them and kind of built right. up the confidence a little bit. Um, so now you have to be the tough person now. You have to be the right. bad person. Now, right, has to be bad cop. Good cops the best is the best job, you know. You get to of have course. The, the most fun. It's a little bit easier. It's a lot less pressure. Yeah. Now you're you're the head honcho, and you have to you know you have to lay the law down to your players. Uh, how are you adjusting that role? Well, I I always tell the girls, um, and I started saying this from the beginning, that I'll try to de to deliver the message with respect, and and I they know I'm loud but they know I'm not loud in, in a mean way. I'm never like yelling at them. I, I, I get loud because I'm excited because something's working or, or I see the development, I see the growth. And I think once the girls know that that's your style and once the girls trust you as your coach, then it, it's okay if you're loud. It's okay if you're the bad cop sometimes because I, I also want to be the one to build them back up. So every time I'm the guy who has to bring them back down on that or, or has to make that correction, or has to jump in and say, that's not good enough. I'm also going to make sure I'm the guy, the first guy to say, Hey, that was good. That was it. You know, you're, I'm seeing it. I, you're working in the right way. And I like that role as the head coach where now I'm not the, I'm not the message from behind somebody. Like it's me delivering the message. So I could be as hard on, on them as I want, because I think they know it's out of respect and out of a lot of love. I love my girls, but I also think they know, that I'll be the one to build them back up and praise them for their success. I'll celebrate them more than they will. I, I jump around practice and get more hyped up than some of the girls do, but I think that it's important for them to see that, that when they put in the work and when they've shown the improvement and the growth, that somebody is going to celebrate their development. And that's, that's important for me as, as a head coach. So how, how often or how much do you rely on your relationship with coach Hummel to bounce ideas back off because I mean that's invaluable, you know. Because right. he, yeah, yeah. Now he knows you in and out. How much do you rely on him as a mentor to kind of give you some advice or kind of direct you a little bit here and there when you're not sure about things or when you have questions? Well, if you saw my recent calls on my phone, you would know how often we we talk and we uh, we, we do we talk before and, and after most games, uh, if not both. And I think what what's What's been good about this year is Rob also knows the girls that are involved. And so we've talked a lot about 
ideas for sets or ideas for plays. And, and we talked a lot about development on defense and kind of where we left off last year and where he's been really helpful is how do you, how do you maximize your practice time when in the past, the past two weeks, I've had more games than practices. And it's not a, you know, that's, it's nobody's fault. There's snow, there's viruses, and then there obviously much bigger things going on. But Rob's been helpful where, all right, you only have two days to prepare for Eustace, then Haddonfield, then Saddle River Day. And, and when you have two days of practice, how do you maximize your time with the girls? And I think he's been a, a valuable uh, resource for me where let's try to break this down into something manageable. Let's try to break it down where the girls feel like they can conquer one little skill at a time and master these things. And so it, it, it's very, it, it's helpful for me to be able to bounce ideas off of my staff that I have right now, but also the former head coach who was so successful in this program. And you get a lot of input from a lot of different people and I'll take it all in. I mean, that's why I love these podcasts because I love listening to other people talk about their philosophies and their approach to basketball. I just want to learn everything I can. And, and that's where using Rob as a resource has been helpful. Um, we don't always deliver the message the same way, but the message is usually the same. And I think that's where it's been helpful because he knows what kind of coach I am. He knows where we're different in our approaches but he also knows what our goals are as, as coaches. And he knows what our goals are for these girls. Yeah. you have like such an advantage this year. Like you, you, you walk in, you know, you have that relationship. I mean, you have a really good um, you, youthful team. So you're going to have, yeah. Yeah. Grow with you. Uh, I know I've heard that some coaches have said they've been, you know, they inherited a, a strong senior class. Well, that helps you for one year and then you have to rebuild again. So next right. year you're in a better position. Uh, as you as your girls grow through the program, which is fantastic. So what are like the keys to success this year for your team? So what do you think that your team has to do every game in order to compete and to be successful? Yeah, I, I think our, our biggest thing is always going to be communication on, on both ends of the floor. Uh, I actually, I heard John Considine say on here that his girls communicate, but it was at a level, you know, nobody else was hearing. And I, it made me feel better. I was relieved. I thought we were the only team that was like that. And when we communicate, our defenses is much, much better. When we communicate on the offensive side of things, I feel like we move the ball faster. And it's just, for me, it's, it might be some of that high school component. It might just be the age. It might be the comfort level of the girls. But I think when they communicate, that's when you really start to see five girls play together as a team. And when we do that, our defense is at a different level. And when we do that, our offense just is much more effective. Um, we, our skill set is, is our shooting. And I think I, I have, I've been gifted with a lot, of, a lot of shooters. So for me, in terms of X's and O's, I always try to preach spacing and moving the ball, this ball movement. If we can get the ball moving faster than a defense and you get yourself and your footwork ready, you're going to be open for the shot. And so we do a lot in practice in terms of spacing and using screens, setting up screens. And those are the kind of skill sets that we, we practice on. That's what we try to master. And that's what we're trying to improve, especially, as you said, with, with a young team. But, you know, all the skills and all the X's and O's aside, we have to be better at communicating. Because when the, the girls play together, 
that's when it's 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 harder to stop a team like that, regardless of who's got the most skilled player or who's got the better sets or who runs a better defense. If you are playing together, you can sort things out during a basketball game. You can make adjustments and and trying to get the girls to buy into that has been one of my biggest my biggest pushes this year just to make sure that they they communicate and work together and then we can try to overcome something if it's not working but we'll do it together yeah that's that's just amazing uh and i just love i just love that communication just it solves a lot of problems I mean, yeah even, it definitely does you know i think that a lot of the problems that we have you know as teenagers as adults it's a lack of communication or miscommunication especially sure. now with social media and text you know like a lot of times my wife and I, you know, if I if if you read too much into it or you don't read it, you know, you know the right way, it's like, oh wow. Yeah. Like I sent a text her today. I said, oh, uh, it only took like a year. And my wife's like, what are you talking about? It didn't take a year. I said, I'm just joking. Meaning it took a long time. And right. she, didn't, she didn't get that I was making a joke of it. And it was just funny to me. And she got finally got it. But it was yeah. like that I didn't communicate what I was saying in a way that she would. Uh, understand it, interpret it the same way that I was saying it. So right, right, right. I did it? I could have pushed it and made a problem, but you know, luckily it was just a joke and it wasn't a problem. But again, communication is really key. It's so, huge, and it's a hard skill to coach. It's a hard skill to teach, uh, but that's why we try to work on. It. That's why we try to emphasize it, just to make the girls more comfortable with it. Yeah, definitely. So we're getting ready to wrap things up, and before <laughs> I, uh, I ask the last question, I have to say that Mount Laurel travel basketball and we talked about this before the program it's probably in my opinion is one of the strongest programs in the area so all these teams that play in the icbl uh, i've seen my daughter come up i've seen my other daughter come up i've watched mm -hmm. between uh, and then look at what you're producing year in and year out as new as new players come in right years graduate i mean you constantly have uh, a, an influx of players uh and that's really important but the question that I want to ask is, you know, how do we grow the game as far as talent and as far as exposure? Like, what can we do together to come as a community um, on our end? So I think our biggest tool now is, is social media. And I know that's something I, I have to improve upon, um, where you use social media to promote not just your own program, but to promote the girls in the program. Um, and one of the things we tried to do this year um, with after each game, just to put out a little tweet, not only emphasizing the, the leading score, but we, we do something, we, we hand out a game ball. And what we focus on with the game ball, we have a column on our stat sheet for hustle plays, anything deemed a hustle play. Girl who got back to tip a pass on defense, girl who dove on the floor, taking a charge, something like that. The, the little things that don't show up on every stat sheet, but that make a difference in the game. And I think once you start to promote something like that, and if you use social media as your, your tool for promoting all this, then you keep more athletes and more girls engaged in basketball. Because I don't ever want it to become, well, I'm not as good a shooter as her, or I'm not as good a ball handler as her. Like, I, I, want, I want all the players to feel like they can have a role and do have a role and that will highlight all these different skill sets. And if we could start to do that at the younger age, like you said, Mount Laurel is a phenomenal feeder program. I, I'm so lucky to be at Lenape 
and be tied in with Mount Laurel's feeder program. And as soon as we're allowed back to normal again, you know, like I want my girls involved with Mount Laurel. I would like to get involved myself. And seeing, just promoting this, just making sure the girls feel like they're celebrated, making sure like their skills are highlighted, not just who scored the most points. That's something I think is, is vital in keeping girls interested in basketball. Keeping, now, one of the biggest problems, and this could be a whole nother podcast, but you have so many athletes that are just sports specific. And, and how do you keep all these girls involved in multiple sports like I, I grew up playing multiple sports I, I think it made me a better athlete I think soccer made me a better basketball player and I think basketball made me a better soccer player how do you how do you kind of promote that for these younger players and these younger girls so I think social media is probably one of the most effective tools right now and and I know all of my girls are on there they want me to do like a TikTok dance or something now I <laughs> listen I don't want to be caught dead on TikTok, but those girls also know I'm kind of a pushover. So they, you might see me on TikTok sometime soon, Mike, but I think if we could use the social media to promote everything, to promote like who scored the most points, but, but also who, who was that player that made a difference just because of work ethic and hustle and heart, because you can't put heart on a stat sheet. And that's the kind of thing I, I, I think a lot of coaches in our area do that. Uh, this is not just me. But that's the kind of thing that can help grow the game and help more girls feel connected to basketball and hopefully foster that love of basketball, the same that all these coaches have and the same that all these star players have. I also look at the bigger picture where I think the SJIBT is the coolest event. I think it's great that you play something across all groups. You know, you mix your, your private, your, your uh, public schools. And when we can get back to that, I'd love to get Lenape more involved in the SJIBT. I love the showcase games. Uh, I know Ron Powell was on here talking about his game with, with St. Rose in that showcase at, at RV, the, the Shore versus South Jersey. I think that's phenomenal. The Shore Conference is, is its own little level there. But I think, you know, South Jersey can kind of hang. And I would love to see that we promote these kind of things and, and promote that South Jersey can hang with, with the shore as Ron and Cherokee proved last year. So these are all things that we all have a love and an interest in the game. And I, I hope that if you start to put more and more of that out there, that it becomes, you know, like infectious that other people are going to buy in and other people are going to want to play at Lenape because look how much the girls love it and look how hard they work and look how much they're celebrated and, and congratulated and all the little things. And I know it goes, through other other programs as well i just hope that that kind of spreads more and more yeah that would be fantastic you know yeah. and i think you know just anything with community service like that idea that you know i think that we had i, I think would be fantastic oh uh, yeah that's that's phenomenal so i'm in for that obviously it's just team, it's just team building it's just getting out mm -hmm. the community. but the other thing too is you're building up relationships and also possibly fans you know sure like yeah with the youth I mean, you could be inspiring somebody to want to play the game, but you're also building that connection. And once there's a connection to a player, to a team, then you're going to have more people that want to support um, the program. So this yeah. is just fantastic. This has been a really awesome podcast. And I love the fact that you're just hungry to learn, um, that you've been, you know, listening you. to coaches. I mean, one of the hardest things I think is, as a new coach, is trying to form those relationships, you know, sure. because 
you haven't been a head coach as long as everybody else. So they already know each other. They're already friends. Yeah. They interact with each other. So for you to try to break in and, and make those connections where you can work with another team or you can, you know, um, you can, uh, you know, strategize or, or even just bounce ideas off. Or, you know, if you have uh, something that's going on and, and maybe you wanted to try and see how they handled it to get a, an idea, you can have those relationships. So this is perfect. I mean, uh, and as you go, it's, it's just going to grow. And, and I think sure. you know, these, you know, tradition of winning is, is going to be there. I mean, you're going to continue it. I mean, the culture is, is intact and it's actually still strong. It's not like you're rebuilding from, from scratch because you're right. You're, right. The same, a lot of the same things that the kids already know. So, yeah. uh, I mean, you're you're already like light years ahead of the game for any other first year coach that has to. Oh, thank you. you. Know what I mean? So, I guess you know you're in the right place at the right time. Yeah, and, I think so. And it works out great. And I'm just so happy for you. I'm really excited. And thank I'll tell you, you the, the love that the the players have for you is just amazing. You know, like I was actually um, messaging uh, Kevin King, and they're like, "Oh yeah, Coach Mac, we love Coach Mac." You know. <laughs> so, we got the support. Oh, thank of you. I guess I have to keep her playing then, huh? What's that? I said, I guess I have to keep playing her then, huh? Oh, yeah. They're, you got some awesome families over there. Oh, they're all, yeah. yeah. I, I love these kids them. and these families. They're great. Yeah, they're so great. I mean, I met I, last year, um, Cherokee played Lenape at Lenape at the very end of the season. And I talked to this, yeah. uh, this older woman. I hope I don't offend her by saying older, but she's not my age. She's my parents' age. So I'll say older. Okay. And we got to be talking, and then ten minutes later, I found out it was uh, it was Kevin King's mom. It was uh, Caitlin King's grandma. Oh no, yeah, Caitlin's grandma. Yeah, you know, she. I said, oh, you know, I don't know why we started talking, but we were just. She was next to me, and we started chit chatting, and she was the nicest woman. You know, yeah, she's one of our biggest fans. Oh, I bet. So I hope you don't. I hope you don't take that the wrong way. Uh, I, I, I won't tell her. An old woman, an older woman. <laughs> It's just that, you know, I just want to be respectful. And I wanted to let everybody know that she was just a fantastic lady. I saw her in the stand. We were talking, interacting after the game, and she was a wonderful person to talk to. So. Yeah. All right, Coach. We're going to end things today, and I just want to say thank okay. you and good luck to you. All right. Well, thank you very much for having me, Mike. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Take care. Take care.